What's up, Abundant Life? You have a copy of God's Word. Once you find the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be at this morning. Pastor Phil has asked me to continue this series. He's actually on a trip uh, with one of our global partners called Compassion International. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a thousand underprivileged kids that our church has sponsored in Peru. We've also built a Compassion Center, which is kind of like a community center to help develop kids and, and education and things like that. We also planted a church down there as a church. And so he's advocating with Compassion International for other churches to do similar endeavors so that we can continue to do what the Word of God says when it says in James that true religion that God does not despise is that we would look after the widows and the orphans. And this is one of our responses to doing that and helping with orphans and underprivileged kids in the world. And so that's where he's at. And we are here and we're going to get back into God's Word, First Peter chapter 1. Before we get there, any lake people here? You're probably at the lake, right? You know, it's a beautiful weekend. But anyway, um, about once a year, I'll get to get out to the lake down in Texas. And uh, my wife, she has an uncle and, and grandparents that live uh, near Lake Belton in central Texas. And a couple of years ago, we were down there and um, they have a boat and they have this thing called a wakeboard. I don't know if you've ever been on a wakeboard before, but a wakeboard is basically like a, an oversized skateboard or a snowboard that you're, you're firmly attached to. And you can get out there going about 25 miles an hour on the water and then you can cut into the wake. The wake's kind of like a water ramp that goes behind the boat, and then you can do all kinds of things. And so I thought it would be a good idea a couple of years ago to try a flip over the wake. And so um, we got it on video, so you can just watch it right here. This is me. I got my Texas flag shorts on. Go Texas. And um, we're out there, and I'm like, all right, here we go. About to hit it this wake. And then we just want to just pause it right here. <laughs> so let me tell you what's going on in my mind right now. First of all, I'm thinking, what am I thinking, you know? I'm in my 30s now, you know, things just hit different, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not as, uh, I'm not as resilient as I once was. And I'm thinking, you know what, uh, I'm a little out of control. Um, I'm barely hanging on. I'm upside down in this moment. And I don't know if I'm going to make it or if I'm going to break it. And I start there this morning because this is right where some of you are in life. You've come in here, and something has happened in your life, and you're literally upside down in life. You're, you feel a little bit out of control, maybe barely hanging on, and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it or break it. Life has a way of dealing us things that we really didn't anticipate. You know, some of you, you maybe have come in here this morning and you're upside down, down financially. Maybe you're upside down in your relationship and you don't know if your marriage is going to last. Maybe some of you feel like you're upside down and a little out of control because you've been rejected by someone or someone's. Maybe you feel upside down because there's a season of depression that you're going through or, or, or you just want to have a baby and you can't for some reason right now. I don't know what it is, but here's what I know to be true that you live life long enough, and it's not a matter of if you're gonna go upside down or not, just a matter of when. I think there's three types of people that are here this morning watching online and at all the different campuses of Abundant Life. The, the first type of person is somebody that's cutting into the wake, so to speak. You're headed into a trial. Uh, others, maybe you've come in here and you've landed on the other side of the wake. You're on the other side of a trial, then there's some of us that are right in the middle. And what we do in the midst of our trials reveals something great about our life. See, it's in the trials 
that God does some of his greatest work, that he reveals our heart's allegiance. It's in the trials that God uncovers the well in which we draw strength from. It's in the trials that God does some of his greatest work. A.W. Tozer, a famous theologian in the last century, he said this, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. That life has a way of getting lifey. We find ourselves upside down and God wants to meet us in the intersection of that brokenness and he wants to do something great. So we maybe come in here this morning and we find ourselves upside down, whether we like it or not, and how we respond in the chaos of the trials will determine whether or not we make it or break it. If you take a notes this morning, I've titled this message, Make It or Break It. And I wanna give you three things from God's word that you can do so that you can have a trail to traverse the trials in your life. I wanna give you a pathway so that you can move forward the painful times in your life, I wanna give you three things so that you can make it in your suffering. We're in the series called First Peter, where we're learning about humility. It's one of the key themes in the book of First Peter. Uh, humility, if you're taking notes, let me just give you a quick definition. Humility is a posture of the heart that submits to God. It's you saying, God, you are God and I am not. God, your ways are higher than my ways, and I may not be able to make sense of this situation, but I'm trusting you. And we're in this section in 1 Peter where Peter's talking about trials and, and going through fiery trials and how we respond to those things. And he's telling us you need to put on humility. You've got to clothe yourself in humility to be able to navigate these things. Last week we heard this story, really a terrible story. If you weren't here, you should go back and check this story out. It's from a family in our church, the Swearingens. And they recounted the loss of their young adult daughter. And Nick, the daddy, he, he said this in the video. He said, I had a choice to make at this crossroads. I could harden my heart and grow bitter towards God and say, God, how could you? And I think we would all understand if he did. Going through some sort of pain like that, I can't even imagine. But he said, I was at that crossroads and I had to make a choice. Am I going to harden my heart towards God or am I gonna say, God, I need to lean into you. I need your help. And he chose the latter. And he leaned into the Lord and God has been gracious to hold his hand and his heart through probably the darkest pain him and his family have ever been through. And Peter, he's writing, he's saying, hey, we need to lean into our relationship with Christ. That the trial, he, he's, he's talking to these people and he's saying, hey, the trial is here what do we do now? Here's what he says. First Peter starting chapter one, verse 10. Of this salvation, you could just circle salvation. That's a key promise that Peter's pointing our attention to. He says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So what Peter's saying is he's saying, I need you to remember the Old Testament or the first part of the Bible, that the first part of the Bible is 39 books in the Old Testament and every one of those is telling this, this epic drama of, of how God has created mankind, how mankind rebelled against God, then, then he, he chose a people, the Israelites, and then he journeyed with them, and then the epic up and downs of that sort of thing. And then he has these prophets that step onto the scene, and the prophets are saying, there's gonna be a savior that's gonna come, and he's gonna bring redemption for all of mankind. 
And years pass, and years pass, and the prophets make the promises, but nothing ever happens. And then Peter, he steps onto the scene, and his life, he grew up hearing about all of these prophecies and this epic drama that God was going to come in the form of a man, and he says, and it happened in my lifetime, and by the way, I got to follow the brother. <laughs> he's like, this is what happened. And he's like, he's recalling this story of salvation and its legitimacy that's rooted in the historicity of these events and the prophecy. And he goes on in verse 12 and he says this. To them, the prophets, it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported, that's a key word, reported, to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And I love this little tagline. He says, things which angels desire to look into. This word desire is this like, like they are, they're, they're, they're eager. They, they're trying to figure it, like here's what Peter's saying, that, that the message of salvation, the angels are like, wow. Like they're blown away. Like they gawk at the goodness of the gospel message. He just kind of throws that in there. Point number one, if you're taking notes, you'd write this down. The message. If you're going to make it in suffering, you're going to need to remember the message. Remember, Peter, he's given credibility to the message that he's preaching right here. And he's writing to this audience in the diaspora. These are the Jewish believers who have been dispersed all throughout this region because they're under great duress and persecution. And when suffering hits, here's what you have to do. You have to cling on to the message and you have to remember its legitimacy. Psalm 119 verse 50 says this, this is my comfort in my affliction. If you're upside down in life, you're going through some affliction, what's your comfort? And this is what the psalmist says, this is what the word of God says, that this is the comfort in the midst of your affliction, for your word has given me life. Like when you're going through a painful season, when you're upside down in life, when you are in pain, what promise are you hanging on to? I remember for me, when I was 16, was kind of the first time I, I can recall going through a, a difficult situation. My mom, she came to me and my brothers and basically said, hey, um, we're probably going to lose this house that we're living in. I'm going to have to move in with my boyfriend. Your dad's in jail, and I don't think we're going to have a Christmas this year. And we were like, no, mom, that's not going to happen. We're going to, we'll all get jobs and we'll all make it work. And so I start working for minimum wage, like five bucks an hour at the time, you know, and I pull my little measly paycheck, give it to my mom. My brothers are trying to do their thing. My mom's working a couple of jobs. And, and here's what happened. Everything that my mom feared would happen, it happened. The worst took place. And for me in that season, when I was upside down in life, I learned something important that when you're going through some pain, you're gonna need the promises of God's word. See, up at that point, like the word of God was kinda of like a good luck charm to me. Don't act like you don't treat the word of God this way. You'll set it out like on the, on the uh, coffee table in the house, you know? You don't ever read it, but, 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 but you know, God forbid somebody put a cup of tea on that thing. Like, that's the word of God, that's not a coaster, you know? Well, why don't you read it then, you know what I'm saying? Like, you'll leave it open. It's on, like, it's on like Lamentations 3. You're like, you don't even know that, but that, that's how it's open. Like, can you get over to, like, Philippians or something, right? And we'll treat this, and we'll kind of rub it, and we'll just carry it around, you know, but we need to read it, all right? And there's been times in my life where that's kind of how I viewed the Word of God. That's why I had this little thing on my dashboard. You know what I'm saying? But in this season, when I was going through a painful situation, I was like, you know what, where can I turn to to find comfort in my affliction? And I turned to the Word of God. And some of you this morning, you are upside down in life and you need to come back to the book that the word of God, I started reading it in this season and I found Matthew 6, 33 and 34. 
And it said this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. And it goes on to say, don't worry about tomorrow. And I needed that because I was worried about the day. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough issues of its own. It's as if God was putting his arm around me and saying, I know this is not good, but you're going to make it. What promises are you clinging on to when you're going through a painful situation? Maybe you're here and you're upside down and you need to have the promise of Hebrews 13, 5, where God says, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. Maybe you need the promise of John 16, that says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Maybe you need the promise of Isaiah 54, 17, that says, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Maybe you need the promise of Philippians 4, 19, that says, my God will provide all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Maybe you need the promise of 1 John 4, 4, that says, greater is he that is in you than, than he that is in the world. Maybe you need the promise of Psalm 30, verse 2, that says, I call for help, and you healed me. What pain are you going through, and what promise are you clinging on to? we got to load the Word of God like bullets in the cartridge of our heart so that we can fire the weapon of God against our enemy and against the lies that come to us in the midst of our pain. What pain are you going through, and what promise are you clinging on to? We don't like pain as a society, right? Like, I think that we'll read things in the Word of God when, all thing is, when everything's kind of placid in our life and going well, and we'll just kind of be like, you know what, that's good for them. But my life, my life's Instagram. My life's, you know, it, it's the preferred self, you know. But here's the reality I've come to learn, that you live life long enough, there's no filters on life. The Instagram life is not a reality. And if you think life is somehow just your best life now, that's not the reality. You're going to find yourself, even when you follow Jesus, you're going to find yourself upside down in life. And you're going to need the promises of God. And Peter, that's what he's doing. He's reminding these people that are honoring God with their life, that are in the midst of fiery trials of, of oppression and persecution. He's reminding them of the message of salvation. This perhaps is the greatest promise that we have from God, that he is a saving God, that Jesus died for all of mankind, that there's nothing that you can do that will get you on the outskirts of the reach of God's grace, that God has, he's coming for you, that he wants to save you. And Peter's saying, in the midst of your trial, remember that message of salvation, that he's reminding these people, he's saying, you need to look at the work that Jesus did on the cross as the anchor of your hope. So for me, when I'm going through something difficult and I, I begin to doubt the promises of God, like here's the place that I go to that really resets me and anchors me in the promises of God. The place I run to is the cross of Jesus Christ. That the cross of Christ is the anchor that every promise that has been made by God is tethered to. That Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 1, I believe, that every promise is yes and amen in Christ. And so if I'm doubting whether or not God is good, I go to the cross and I see that he's good. If I'm doubting whether or not God loves me, I go to the cross and I see his infinite love on display. It's at the cross that we see God's infinite justice on display. It's at the cross that we see God's infinite mercy, his infinite goodness, his infinite holiness, his infinite forgiveness, his infinite power demonstrated in real time. It's at the cross. And Peter, he's saying, remember this message of salvation that is tethered to something, that, an event that happened in history. <laughs> That's why he says in verse 12, he says that, that these things were reported to you. This is so important. 
Our faith is not rooted in what Peter believed. Our faith is rooted in what Peter reported. That the anchor that the promises of God are tethered to is a real savior dying on a real cross and resurrecting in real time. And this is the anchor by which we hang on to. This is the firm footing by which we stand in all the promises and all of the things that God made. You can take them to the bank because he came in real time. And this is a distinction of Christianity. That Peter, he said, I reported this to you. This is what the prophet said of the old. And this is what the angels got at. It's the goodness of the gospel. And when you're upside down in life, you have to learn how to preach this message to yourself. He's saying, let me remind you in your trials, hang on to the message of salvation, and you've gotta to learn to preach this to your soul because this may happen, the worst may happen. And if the worst happens in your life, if you've trusted Christ, you'll still be safe. Man, life can be a living hell sometimes. But if you've trusted Christ, this life is the only hell you experience. But warning, if you don't know Christ, this is the only heaven you get. A heaven that's broken. A heaven that's, that's got pandemics and prejudices. If you don't know Christ, this life is as good as it gets. But if you know Christ, you're gonna be safe. And Peter's reminding his audience that if you're gonna make it through your suffering, you've gotta cling on to the message of salvation. He goes on in verse 13, he says this, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What he's saying is you gotta get ready to run in your mind. He says, be sober and rest your hope. That's a key phrase. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Point number two, if you're gonna make it through suffering, you're gonna need the right mentality. The mentality. Peter, he's saying that in the midst of trials, you've got to have the right mindset. Chuck Swindoll, a famous pastor, he says this, that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. That, that your circumstances you can't control, but you can control how you respond in your, in your circumstances. And if you're going to make it and not break it in the midst of your trials, you're going to need the right mentality. Peter, he's literally saying to his audience, you've got to gird up your loins. What he's saying is that you've got to think energetically. You've got, to get, you've got to get up in the morning when pain sets in. You've got to get your mind above that pain. He's saying you've got to think not only energetically, but you've got to think clearly as well. But this is difficult, right? Because when you're upside down in life and pain has set in, all you can think about is the pain. I remember uh, I, was, I was a freshman in high school, and I was, uh, we were at football practice, and I went to catch a, a pass low, and, and the ball hit my hand. And I'm like, oh, man, I jammed my finger. And then I pull it up, and I realize I dislocated my finger. And about that time, the pain sets in, and my entire being became a ring finger. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like this is over here, and I go to the trainer, you know, and, 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 and all I could think of was the pain, and he puts it back in place. And, and the point I'm trying to make is this, is that when we are going through something difficult, it's hard to think clearly. It's hard to think with energy, because all we can think about is the pain. But Peter's saying, when you're going through this difficulty, I know it's hard, I don't wanna minimize your suffering at all, but he's calling us to the pathway to navigate the pain. 
And he's saying, you got to have the right mentality, and you've got to focus on the hope that you have in Jesus. He says to rest your hope fully on his grace. Uh, hope, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. Hope is the result of placing your faith in what cannot be seen. That when we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us hope that we can rest upon. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is energetic, clear thinking about the grace that is to come. Like, I can't see God's grace, but you put your hope in his grace. And when you're upside down in life, listen, you're going to need God's grace. I was meeting with a friend of mine. He's a former student of mine. I was down in Dallas for about 24 hours this last week, and I connected with him over coffee. And, and we were just talking life, and, and he began to tell me about a recent experience that he had about two weeks ago. It was one of the best days of his life and perhaps one of the hardest days of his life. He recently got ordained to be a, a pastor, and this, this long process, he's been serving at this church and going to seminary and doing all the things, and, and the, the men of God in that church, a guy named Pastor Jack Graham and, and some of the other people, they, they said, you know what, we see God working in your life. We want to ordain you. So he goes through this process, and, and it all comes to this kind of like a graduation day, and, and so he's having lunch with these men that he really respects. They ordain him. They, they encourage him, and then about an hour later, he gets a phone call. And it's from his dad, who's in his early 50s. He says, son, I have stage four cancer. And so we start talking, me and this guy, and, and he's got tears in his eyes, and I'm, I'm crying too. And he says, I trust Christ. I trust Christ. I, I'm having a hard time trusting Christ. And he was in this tense place of trying to rest in the grace of God, but being faced with the reality that he may lose his father sooner than he thought. And I shared with him what I want to share with you real quick. This is what I told him. I said, Peyton, God doesn't give hypothetical grace for our hypothetical nightmare situation. He only gives us sufficient grace for the situation. And this comes from this idea that I learned from Corey Tinboom. If you don't know Corey Tinboom, man, you're missing out. And she's this amazing Christian that was gifted to us last century, and she was a Holocaust survivor, and uh, she was a faithful follower of Jesus through some of the darkest times, you know, and, and she was able to get on the other side of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany and write about her experience and how she processed that pain through her faith, and, and then she even lived quite a bit uh, of life afterwards, and, and she's an incredible gift to the church. And anyway, she talks about how she learned to trust Christ in the midst of, uh, of difficult search, uh, situations early on in her life. She remembered as a little girl that she witnessed a baby dying. And when this happened and she really came to grips with the fragile nature of life, she was so spooked as you could imagine. And so she remembered crying and sobbing and going to her dad and just clinging to her dad and saying, I can't lose you, daddy. You can't die. I can't do this. And seeking to comfort her, her dad stooped down and, and said, Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam on the train, when do I give you the ticket? And she sniffed a little bit and she said back to her daddy, why, uh, just before we get on the train. And he looked at his little girl and said, exactly. And our wise father in heaven knows when we're going to need the things to. Don't run ahead of him, Corey. When the time comes that some of us will have to die, you will look into your heart, find the strength in God's grace that you need, just at the right time. 
Corey, she learned something that day that, that would hold true throughout her life, that God doesn't give hypothetical grace, that God doesn't give grace for the future, that grace cannot be stored, it must be used for the moment that we're in and nothing more. That grace is like the manna that God supplied the Israelites in the wilderness. It has an expiration date. Its shelf life is one day. Grace is for right now. In Hebrews 4, 16, we're encouraged to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God to receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. A more literal rendering of that is, is that we would have grace for a well-timed help. And here's the point. There's grace for what you need, when you need it. This is the beautiful truth of God's grace. Grace, no, no sooner, no later. Grace, no more, no less. Grace, perfectly timed and perfectly tailored for the painful situation that you're going through. And listen, if you're going to make it in life when you're upside down, you're going to need God's grace. And you're going to need to rest fully upon his grace. If you're going through something, what are you resting upon? What, what's your crutch, if you will? You ever been on crutches before? And I rolled my ankle a few times in my life and on those crutches, you know, because I got to, in order for me to make it in life, I've got to have the, the help of those crutches. What's your crutch that you lean on in life when you're upside down or your life is sprained, if you will? M my father, his crutch was alcohol. When life got lifey, he ran to the bottle. Some of you, your, your crutch may be pornography. You just need a, a, a temporary relief. You just need to feel significant in a moment. For me, the thing I run to, I find oftentimes when I've had a stressful day and I'm trying to take a load off, I run to food. You know, I just think in my mind, if I could just sit down, have a Topo Chico and a bowl of that, of that sweet and salty popcorn, the kettle corn, God, if I could just get there today, I'll be all right, you know? Oh, another one I found, my, and this, this may be just me, but I find myself trying to rest on social media. Isn't that whack? Like, I'll go to bed at night, and I think, man, I've had a long day. I've been through a lot of stressful things. Let me get on Instagram and see how awesome everyone else's life is. It just fills me with my daily dose of disappointment, you know? <laughs> but in my mind, I'm, I'm like, I, when I get out of that, I'm like, why do, I, why do I functionally rest on those things? There's no life there. Listen, the only thing worse than being on crutches is being on broken crutches. And anything that you rest upon to help you navigate and traverse the trials of your life, other than Jesus, is a broken crutch. And what Peter is trying to tell us is he's like, you've got to have the right mentality and you've got to rest your hope fully on the grace that is sufficient for you. Uh, Paul, he would say like this in 2 Corinthians 12, he would say, and God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He would go on to say, when I'm weak, God, you are strong. And what Paul is saying, what Peter is saying is that the thing that you rest upon the crutch that you and I need to be able to make it through life is Jesus. Listen, Jesus is the crutch. And he's the thing that we lean upon. And he's the thing that will sustain us in difficult times. And if you're going to make it in your suffering, if you're upside down in life, and you want to make it and not break it, you're going to need to have the right crutch. And you're going to need the grace of God. Peter, he goes on in verse 14, and here's what he says. 
As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Point number three, if you're taking notes this morning, you would write this down, the mandate. The mandate. That Peter, he's reminding us of the mandate to be holy. He's juxtaposing two things here. He's saying that in your suffering, you don't need to conform to the former ways that you used to deal with your pain, but you got to be transformed and you got to put on holiness. Holiness means that you're set apart. It means you do something different in life. It means that you don't look like the world. That Peter, he's quoting Leviticus, which is one of the themes of the Bible. Leviticus is just like God's holy, and if you're going to be his people, you need to be holy too. And so you may have come in here and you're upside down in life, but you're following Jesus now, and there's a different way. You don't need to conform to the patterns of the way you used to deal with your trials. You don't have to deal with your issues the way your daddy dealt with his issues. You ain't got to deal with your issues the way your mama dealt with her issues. You don't have to deal with your issues the way you dealt with your issues when you were a young adult that you didn't know Jesus. But you can come in here and by God's grace, you can choose in all of your conduct to be holy, even in the bad times. And Peter, yeah, if you're going to clap, go ahead and clap. We know that golf stuff, all right? All right, there you go. Just go ahead. Yeah, thank you. One person. <laughs> I'm preaching better than you clapping, all right. But I think this is, I think this is hard for us to wrap our mind around because there's this, there's this version of, of Christianity that we've invented where God is okay with us sinning, and I think really in two, two times of our life. And so it's easy for us to justify sin in seasons of celebration and in seasons of suffering. So let's just talk celebration for a minute. Y'all know this, like it's prom night. I just graduated. We just got married. I just got the promotion. And so because it's a time of celebration, God understands if I turn up a little bit. Y'all know, don't look at me like you judging me. Like, don't look at me like I'm the only one, right? You ever been around somebody that's their 21st birthday? I'm like, you just gave your life to Jesus three years ago. You're 21. And it's like, oh, well, God understands that I indulge on my 21st birthday. Yeah, that makes sense. And so we will, in our mind, this is not right, but we will, in our mind, justify why we can sin in times of celebration. So there's that. The other time that we justify our sin is in times of suffering. I deserve to go out tonight because he broke up with me. And I just need some attention. I just need to be loved tonight. I deserve this drink because she left me. And I just need to take an edge off. You don't know the pain I'm going through. Who are you to tell me not to do this? And we think that God is somehow okay with us sinning when we're suffering. But then we come to the Word of God. And Peter's writing to a group of people that are going through the fire. They're upside down in life. And he's saying, I know this is difficult, but don't conform to your former patterns of lust when you were ignorant but we be reminded of the salvation of God. Have the right mindset and you walk out the mandate to be holy. My wife, um, you know, I, I love her so much and there's so many things about her that I love, but when I first met her, a couple of things that really stood out is, uh, man, she's just a really tough person. You know, she's tiny, she's a tiny mite, she's a tall, lean thing with, you know, curly hair, and, but she, like, she can roll, y'all. I mean, like, anything I do, she's right there with me and the only thing I can beat her in is bench pressing, you know, and so, and that's a good thing. And so, um, anyway, she's tough, she's strong, but also, like, I love that she just has a really optimistic attitude. Like she doesn't complain a whole lot, which is great because I don't speak 
Sweet Wineese, you know what I'm saying? And so, dad joke, sorry. Um, and so I love that she doesn't complain that she's tough. And, and all of this made sense when I started hearing more of her story. And she told me when she was a senior in high school, she woke up one day with a migraine. Now, several of you, you've had migraines before, and when you get a migraine, what you do is that you, you go to the doctor and you try to figure out, you know, get some medicine, or maybe you get some rest, or you need to eat better, or whatever the thing is, and eventually you'll figure out how to medicate the migraine. And she did just what you do. But for her, the migraine never went away. And for three years, she had a migraine. Now, you know, I, would, I just kind of look back and think, man, if I was in that situation, what would I do? And, and I'm hearing her story, and I'm like, so what did you do? How did you respond to this pain? And she's like, well, we went to all the doctors. We went to stomach doctors, head doctors, homeopathic doctors. We went to chiropractors. We went to everything that we could do. We prayed. My dad rubbed my head every night. I mean, we did all the stuff. She said, but there came a point in my life where I just had to come to the realization that my migraine is not going to go away. And I had to make a choice. Am I going to be defeated by this situation or am I going to think energetically and think clearly and lean into the Lord? And she chose to lean into the Lord. She was following Jesus at this point in time. And, and so she didn't run to boys. She didn't run to the party. She didn't run to the bottle. She didn't even run to her inner chi and zen and all that stuff. She ran to God's word and to Jesus. I just think, man, if I was in her situation, 18, 19, 20 years old, with a chronic migraine, I would have probably went buck wild, y'all, and justified it all. I get, my head hurts, you know, but not her. Man, she leaned into the Lord. Yeah. She recalls when she was a sophomore in college singing a song at a gathering much like this, and the song is called You Said, and it's just basically, you know, God, you said this, you said this, I'm declaring the promises that you've made back to you. And she said, in that moment, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's like the Holy Spirit put his hand around me. And he just spoke into my ear, not audibly, but she just had this sense that I'm going to take care of your headache, baby. And she said, nothing happened immediately, but a couple months later, I woke up one day and my migraine was missing. And that she was healed. And as she looks back at that season of her life, it was her perseverance through the pain that brought her closer to Jesus. That's why the Word of God says in Romans 5 that, that, that trials or suffering, it produces character, and character perseverance, and perseverance hope, and hope will not disappoint. And, and it was in that season that God forged her in the, in the fiery furnace of her migraines and of her pain for greater things to come. If you had a migraine for three years, how would you respond? Would you pursue holiness? That's the mandate here. If you're going to make it in life, if you're upside down in life, if you're going to make it and, and be able to navigate your suffering in a way that's holy and set apart and honoring to God, you're going to have to remind yourself of the message of salvation, that this life is not all that there is, all right? That there's no pain that you can go through that a good resurrection can't fix. And you got to remind yourself of that message. you got to preach that to your heart. If you're going to make it through life and, and live a holy life in the midst of your suffering, when you're upside down in life, you got to preach the message of salvation to yourself. And then you also have to have the right mentality. You have to rest your hope on his grace. you got to understand that Jesus is the crutch. 
And if you're gonna live a holy life and live a life that's set apart in the midst of your suffering, you gotta have the right message, the right mentality, and you gotta live the mandate to pursue holiness and not let your suffering be a license to sin. Don't use your, the, the abuse you went through in life as an excuse to sin. Don't use the suffering that you've gone through in your life as a license to sin, but pursue holiness. Are you gonna make it or are you gonna break it? So I showed you all that video earlier and that was kind of the question I was asking. Am I gonna make this flip or am I gonna break it in this flip? So y'all watch this video. Here I am feeling confident, cutting out, Texas flags about to be flying. Cut, flip, crash. I did it on purpose so you'd feel better about you, all right? I can land it, y'all, I can land it. I, I can land it if I wanted to. <laughs> I didn't land, I crashed. But even though I crashed, I still floated to the top. Why? Because before I ever got into the trial, before I ever got into the chaos, your boy put on a life vest, all right? And I, by faith, put on this life vest. And so I had confidence in my hope that I would float. And what I'm trying to tell you is that even though I crashed, I was okay. Man, there's been times in my life where I've gone through upside down moments, pain, trials, and I wish I could say I've been flawless and landed every one of those moments, but I haven't, man. I think back to a time where I was working at a church. Like if you're working at a church, you better be walking with the Lord. And I was working at this church and I was going home and my dad, it was one of the moments where he was in a trough in life. He was drinking vodka every day. He was suicidal. And I remember in that season of suffering, literally saying to my father, I wish you were dead. That bitterness has set in my heart. And when I was upside down in that situation, I didn't make it. I crashed. And I think it's in those moments when we start asking like, God, did I disappoint you? Have I let you down? And listen, God wants you to live a holy life and he wants to follow you. But even though you may crash, in Christ, you can still float. That even though I crashed in that season, I still lived because I put on the life vest of salvation. And even if the worst were to happen in my life, I would still float to the top. That the Bible says there's buoyancy in Christ. But if you don't put on the vest of salvation, you'll sink in the waters of damnation. Psalm 18, verse 16 and 17 says this, God reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters and he rescued me. See, the Bible tells us that there's a great enemy called sin and death. And when life hits and we go under, it's sin and death that causes us to drown in damnation. The Bible tells us that there are great lies that we have a tendency to believe in, but there's a greater truth. 
The Bible tells us that there's great pain that we have a tendency to live in, but there's a greater healer. And the Bible tells us that you and I, we are great sinners separated from God, but praise God, the Bible says there's a greater Savior. And that if you would put your life in this life vest called Christ, you would be hidden in Christ, and no matter what would come your way, your hope would float. So has there been a moment in your life where you've cloaked yourself in Christ as clear as that day when I knew I put on the life vest, zipped it up, clicked it in place? Because if you're upside down in life right now, with no life vest, the only hope that you have is to hang on to the handle that you're gripping. If you've ever been skiing or wakeboarding or anything, you know this, that when you crash, you better let go. Because if you try to just hang on, you're just going to be flopping behind the boat like this. And some of you, you've crashed in life and you don't know Christ and you're scared that you're going to drown and you're trying to hang on for dear life. But if you would just put the vest of salvation on, you could let go and rest in the buoyancy of Christ. We're about to sing a song called Mercy. And we're going to talk about how I'm, I'm living proof that I'm not the person I once was. Some of you, you can't sing that song with integrity because you haven't put on the life vest of salvation. And so here in a second, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and sing, and then I'm going to come back out and tell you one more component of this little story that I want to invite you to consider before we leave and go eat lunch. Let's pray, and then we're going to stand and sing. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment. God, I pray for my friends that you would help them to put on the life vest of salvation. God, the way we do that is we admit that we need you, that we can't tread the waters of life for eternity, that eventually we're gonna drift into the bottom. God, I pray that you would help us to admit that we need you to believe that you lived, died, and rose again for our sin and for our forgiveness, and we would confess you as Lord. If somebody hadn't done that, God, I pray they'd do that today, that they would leave being able to sing this song, Mercy, with integrity. God, I pray that you would help us in the midst of our trials. Give us a trail to traverse the trials that we will go through in a way that brings you much glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you stand and sing with us in this moment? i 
Hey, before we get out here, um, man, can you sing that with integrity? Again, just as, as clear as I put on that life vest that day, have you put on Christ? If you haven't, then let's do that today. I was talking with a guy earlier, and I was like, man, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to step into a right relationship with Jesus today? And he's like, I don't think so. I'm like, man, it seems like a good deal to me. Let's go. And so if that's you, um, I'm going to be up here with a team of, of adults. And so... Um, here in a second, when we dismiss, you just come forward and let's talk and maybe have a starting point in your relationship with Christ. Uh, the second thing I just want to draw your attention to is, is that day when we were uh, on the lake, um, I had the right people in the boat. And so here's the last parting question. Who's in the boat with you? And so in the boat, I had my wife and I had family and, and, and here's, I had a support structure that even though I crashed, they were like, Hercules, Hercules, you do it again, you know? <laughs> And so the question, who is in your boat? Like when life hits, who are you doing life with? That, that are gonna encourage you and help you and say, hey, let's get back on it. The, the Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, that we are to bear one another's burdens. Who are you bearing your burdens with? And if you don't have the right people in the boat, and let's change that. You can't follow Jesus with a bunch of people that aren't following Jesus. And so if you don't have the right people in the boat, we do this thing called Group Connect every other, every other month. You can go to the Next Steps desk out in the lobby space and sign up for Group Connect and let us help fill your boat with people that are trying to follow Jesus so that y'all can encourage one another in this endeavor called following Jesus. Who's in your boat? Have you put on the life vest? And who's in your boat? Hey, thank you so much for being here. You guys have an incredible rest of your afternoon and have a great week of worship. We'll see you next time.